I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Sarah. And welcome to Montalino Mama. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Multilingual Mama. Today, we're doing our first double interview. We have two special mamas here who are not themselves bilingual, but they value bilingualism enough um, that they've decided to enroll their children in Spanish-English immersion programs here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So welcome, Tamara and Hannah. Thank you for being here. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so can you guys start just by introducing yourselves and your families a little bit? How many kids you have? How old they are? Kind of the basic information? Sure. Um, my name is Hannah Insko. I am the Senior Director for Academic Technology at Wake Forest. I have a uh, second grader, um, a seven-year-old. Her name is Grace. She goes to Speeds. And then I have a preschooler that goes to Forsyth Country Day. We've been here about three and a half years, both in Winston-Salem and at Wake. And my name is Tamara McLaughlin. I have two children. Uh, my son, Connor, started the immersion program in 2011 when it was at Ashley Elementary. And then my daughter um, has also gone through the immersion program. And by the time she was in kindergarten, we were at Smith Farm Elementary. And how old are your kids now? So Connor's in ninth grade and um, the immersion program ended for him at third grade. Um, and then for Peyton, um, she's now in sixth grade and she is starting um, in, at Paisley this year and it is Paisley's first year to have the immersion program. I guess one quick thing to say here is that um, there seem to be two different kinds of programs in town. The one that we're seeing in Spies and Peasley Middle School, I think it's the idea of a dual immersion program when you get Spanish speaking kids and you get Anglophone speaking kids basically like uh, together. But uh, there's some programs that you, they're called the one way, which is not mostly that you were saying, right? Like Spanish speaking kids that are trying to learn English and just go into mainstream English. So the, the, those are different, but in your situations, just to clarify, you have the, the dual immersion program, right? When you have the two of them, right? Um, yes, yes. And and only my daughter is currently still in dual immersion. Perfect, thank you. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, can you guys tell us about your language background? What languages did you speak growing up? And when and how did you learn other languages? Um, so I can uh, uh, speak for myself. The, we, we are English speaking only, um, though, uh, I am first-generation American. My family moved, uh, immigrated from Germany um, when my mom was small. Uh, this, so they live in Pennsylvania and lots of German-speaking folks in Pennsylvania. Um, and so they all grew up speaking German, um, but uh, because of their desire to sort of fit in, they didn't teach, you know, when they got to the age where they were having children, they didn't teach any of their, any of my cousins or myself or my brother. We didn't, none of us learn German. Um, my husband also comes from a German speaking family, um, but he and his sister do not speak German either. Um, I've, I've taken um, some French classes and some sign language classes, but nothing fluent. We even lived in Miami for three years and I picked up a little bit of Spanish there, but I mean, nothing significant. <laughs> Yeah, very common trend in the past, certainly, for 
uh, older generations to not pass down those languages. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And my experience growing up was that I didn't start language education until I was in middle school. We lived in a very rural part of Franklin County, Virginia, and so um, languages were not emphasized at all. Um, and I, I therefore didn't learn terribly much. I came to Wake, I uh, made it through all my Spanish classes, but at that point, Wake Forest was teaching language in a completely different way. And the emphasis was really on proficiency in reading and writing. Mm -hmm. And so I graduated with those two skills and didn't use them for another decade until my kids started school. And then I discovered that not only did I want to understand what they were learning, but I really wanted to be able to talk to the other parents, um, especially the other parents who were willing to volunteer. And those tended to be the Hispanic moms who actually um, didn't speak much English. Uh, yeah, that's something that I didn't think about is socializing with the other parents yeah. at a bilingual school. So um, since you both mostly grew up um, in monolingual environments, what brought you or what led you to put your kids into bilingual schools? How did you make that decision? So um, when we, we moved to Miami when my daughter was about six months old um, and we put her in a preschool there um, that was a Reggio Emilia preschool and they were, they, it was mostly Spanish. They did have some, uh, you know, there was one teacher there that would speak English. So um, they got a little bit of both, but they talked to me about um, whether even, you know, they had conversations where like, even if your daughter doesn't retain all of the Spanish, uh, the way that they're learning every subject is going to be different, um, more efficient, more effectively, because you're using parts of your brain that you wouldn't normally use when you're learning two languages at once. Um, and so I started doing some research on it and it was, you know, became super important to me that she have that second language and that we, you know, that Spies was the place for us to go. So. Wonderful. Miami is awesome for bilingual education. And my kids came to bilingual education, um, not because I really knew much about bilingualism and the benefits of it, but because I really wanted my kids to have an ethnically and economically diverse educational experience. And um, we live in, we live just south of downtown. And my neighborhood school was that we were zoned for was Conoke. And all of the schools that I had to choose from were failing schools except for Clemens. So, um, you know, students were not reading and writing on grade level at those other schools. And so I started looking at magnet schools and what those options would be. And that's kind of how I found my way to Ashley. I really wanted to make a choice that would both benefit my kids, but also hopefully benefit the school system as a whole. And so that's what took us to Ashley. And of course, once I realized they had the dual language program and I started doing some research on it, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Care about public schools. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. So you, you guys kind of answer 
the next question I had about how you, you hear about this program. Uh, but I'm curious to see um, if you had any doubts, um, maybe friends around you, how did they take this decision? Family members, you know, because it's like an important decision to make. Um, I don't, I mean, we, when we were leaving Miami, I knew I wanted my daughter to stay speaking Spanish. She learned Spanish first um, in Miami because uh, her preschool, you know, like I was saying, um, they spoke mainly Spanish to her. And so I knew I wanted to keep her, her language skills up. Um, and so when we came here, we specifically looked for a place where that would offer a Spanish immersion experience. Um, we, it is a magnet school and um, we were renting when we first moved here. And so we put our name in um, and we got waitlisted. So we just thought, uh, well, we are gonna buy a house in that, in that area so that they have to let us in. Because mm -hmm. um, we were pretty adamant that we were gonna be going to Spieth. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, my family, most of my family is bilingual. It's just not with Spanish. Um, and so I think that they, you know, it's not super, it's not foreign to them to have two languages growing up. Um, the, the, the doubt has come from me sometimes, mainly because I don't speak Spanish. And so helping her and supporting her and, uh, you know, conversing with her teacher and, you know, just trying to keep up with the basic stuff that has been a real challenge. Um, but, you know, she's in second grade now. So this is her third year of immersion and she, uh, she's more self-sufficient now. So it's not as bad as like with kindergarten, I was lost and I felt like maybe we had definitely made a mistake, but, um, if we just, I, I was sort of encouraged to, to wait it out, um, and just give it a chance. And I'm glad that we did. Yeah, definitely real concerns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think my family was supportive. I, obviously, um, you know, they value international education too. I think they also value creative education. And so the fact that we'd gotten a spot at art space was a little hard for uh, my dad, especially who had taught in, in schools and was an educator himself to like see us turn down. Um, but he also understood that we were doing it both because we thought it would benefit our kids, but also because we wanted to like be part of investing in a public school that needed it. There, we had lots of other friends um, whose kids were starting kindergarten, and I couldn't convince any of them <laughs> to, you know, come with us just because it was um, such a, an economically disadvantaged school. And Ashley had failing test scores too, so I didn't pick my school based on, you know, performance, I, I picked it based on just the belief that bilingual education really would have long-term benefits. Um, and it would be really good for my son, who is a white male, to be in a place where he's actually a minority. I mean, how, how many places can, can that happen? Um, you know, at Ashley, he was one of two Caucasian children in his kindergarten class. Um, and so, you know, he, he got to experience that and I got to experience that, you know, just what it is to, to actually not be the majority, um, which is a rare thing for uh, whites in our Southern culture. Um, so I think those lessons were really valuable. I did start to have some doubts um, as 
we got further into the program and I realized that the program didn't yet continue at middle school. Mm -hmm. When when my kids started, I thought it did because the um, IB program continued at middle school. It In the marketing of it, it sounded very much like the dual language program also continued at middle school, when in fact, there was kind of just the hope that one day it would continue at middle school. But I started to see that as you approach third grade, the class sizes shrink. Well, actually, as, as soon as second grade, they start testing in our county. The parents were never happy. If their students didn't test high enough at second grade, they would start to get cold feet about, you know, the actuality of the bilingual benefit. They are upfront with you and they tell you that you don't see the full benefit of bilingual education until you're at fifth grade and above. But for, for folks, when they start to see those test scores at second grade and they start to see kids getting filtered into gifted programs, um, I think that causes a lot of doubt in other people's mind. Yeah, that's definitely something you hear from a lot of parents is that initial hump of maybe slightly lower test scores. I mean, because tests, those kind of tests are designed for monolingual kids and um, there's a little bit of a catching up period. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is what all the research shows is that you shouldn't worry about their English uh, acquisition living in the US and an English speaking home. I will say her spelling is absolutely terrible, right? Like her spelling is completely phonetic. And so her English spelling is atrocious. Um, but that's just, that's just um, you know, a small trade-off that I'm willing to take. You know. um, can you guys explain a little bit more in detail how the program or the programs work, uh, how much Spanish and English they get at different ages and how that changes? Uh, Pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Um, I guess in theory, <laughs> ideally what their plan would be. Uh, okay. Um, so for Grace, when she was in kindergarten, um, she heard, like, I, I believe what the percentage wise was 90% of her day was in Spanish um, and only her specials was, you know, which was one class a day was in English. Um, and so, and one of those specials was Spanish. So there were certain days of the week where like her entire day was in Spanish. Um, and so yes, all of her homework would be in Spanish. They would speak fully in Spanish during class. Uh, when she, last year, when she was in first grade, they started introducing more English during regular classes. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. Her teacher would, um, had this like stuffed animal. And when the stuffed animal was up on the ledge, it was English time. Um, and when they, when he would take it down, it was Spanish. Everybody needed to be speaking in Spanish. Um, and so uh, I was actually um, amazed that, you know, did not long into kindergarten, she was fully speaking in Spanish. Um, and uh, now she's able to read in Spanish. She's able to speak in Spanish, write in Spanish. Um, and I don't speak any Spanish, so I'm assuming her spelling is correct in Spanish, <laughs> but it is atrocious in English, which I fault uh, the English language for not being phonetic um, on that one. Um, but yeah, I believe, I believe as the program goes on, uh, it will be more of her, you know, more of her day will be in English and less in Spanish. Um, but uh, it's, you know, I, um, 
I often have her and one of her friends from school in the car and they're already learning that there's, you know, a language that mom doesn't understand. So they speak to each other in Spanish when they don't want me to understand what they're talking about. Uh -huh. um, and um, I'm totally okay with that because they're speaking in Spanish to one another. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I mean, they're, she's comfortable speaking in that, in that language now, which is really, really great. Awesome. Yeah. And that's very similar to the program that they had at Ashley and Smith Farm. In fact, I think the county has kind of that model for the dual right. language programs that you start with 90, 10 in kindergarten, you go to 80, 20 in first grade, 70, 30 in second grade. And then from third grade on, the intention is that it's 50, 50. Right. Um, Do you know if there's any um, objective in terms of student population of having 50% native Spanish speaking, 50% native English speaking, or is that not really taken into account? That was the goal, but the fact was is that especially um, at when the program was only at one school, you know, you really couldn't be choosy about who, <laughs> who was willing to opt in and who was willing to come. And so uh, um, I think while the 50-50 mix is something that the school system was hoping for, I think the reality was is that you also had to just accept whoever was willing to, to come and to participate in those years. And, you know, so. Right. And, and talking about the children and your own children, do you think they really enjoy the program, attending, understanding Spanish, being able to speak it? How do you think they feel about it? Have, they, have you talked to them about it? Have they told you? Um, I, this is all that Grace has ever known because she went to, you know, a preschool where it was all Spanish speaking. She loves learning about where her teachers come from, um, because they come from, you know, all different, you know, Spanish speaking countries. And so, you know, they're learning about Colombia because that's where her, um, her teacher is from. And so, uh, she really enjoys, um, learning about that. She also, uh, because everybody in the class is expected to speak Spanish, it's not weird for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's very, you know, she's very proud of her school. She loves the songs, um, and she loves, you know, how they engage with her, uh, in fun ways and make it fun. Um, so I think that she likes it and, um, she, you know, uh, I, I brag, you know, to family members that like she's fluent in Spanish. And so she sort of, you know, straightens up a little bit, like, yeah, I know two languages and that's really cool. Um, and so. Yeah, I think that that part she really likes. I'm hoping that she continues um, to be proud of that. Nice. Well, since I knew I was talking to you guys today on the podcast, I have asked both of my children within the last 48 hours how they felt about this decision to put them in bilingual classrooms. And, um, you know, my daughter was kind of enthusiastically happy that I had made that choice for her. She with um with some disgruntledness that she couldn't take a third language she really i think is proud of being able to speak another language and she said that she thought the best thing about it was the travel and so we took our whole family to nicaragua for a summer um after my son finished second uh second grade so that they could have a chance to go to language school there and live with a host family and kind of see the benefits of, of 
living bilingually because even though there are so many native Spanish speakers here, their English is always better than our Spanish. And so you were never incentivized to use your Spanish um, in the same way. So we did that. And then in 2018, we went to Spain for the summer and we hiked the Camino and we did it with a group of um, Spanish families. Um, so it was a great immersive experience. She has loved getting to do that. She's loved getting to travel. She's loved getting to make friends in other cultures and to just understand what's going on. Um, Connor is a little less enthusiastic in, in his approach to it. He, he's more neutral. He's like, you know, I don't really think that I have benefited that much from it. Um, and, and I can see that for him, the program ended pretty early at third grade. So he hasn't achieved that level of mastery and proficiency that Peyton has, um, feels particularly glad that I did it. I will say that I think that if he ever decides he wants to have a career where he needs a second language, he will be supremely glad that I did it um, because he has a great accent. He has all of the building blocks that he needs. Like if he decides he wants to go and spend a semester abroad, I think and is really interested and engaged in learning it, I think he'll have no trouble at all. I actually sent him back to Spain last summer by himself um, to stay with one of the host families that we had made friends with walking the Camino. And so he traveled by himself, he spent some time there, he went to a Spanish camp um, and you know he's gotten to do things that he wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise. I just don't know that they have their value to him seems as high now as I hope it will in years to come. That makes sense. Can you guys talk a little bit about the pandemic and how the coronavirus has changed your experience with um, the dual immersion program? Sure. Um, so when we went remote in March, um, I started panicking just a little bit because um, I already didn't know how to support her when she brought homework home. Um, and now it was going to be, you know, we were getting daily schedules um, of things that the students like that Grace needed to do during the day. And it was in Spanish. And so I had, you know, I, I'm that mom. I just kept reaching out saying, I need English instructions. I need an English schedule. I need, you know, I, um, because I, I just don't understand, I can't help her. I can't get her on her schedule um, when it's in Spanish. Um, and then uh, over the summer, you know, there's like a, there's a gap in language. And so when she comes, when she came back, I was, you know, was, I didn't really know what to expect when it came to schooling. Um, and I don't, it's definitely not immersion, right? Like, so all day she goes to an e-learning enrichment center um, and she's, there's only three, people in the whole building that are in Spanish immersion. So she just spends the, most of the day taught speaking in English. Um, she does do Zoom calls with her teacher, um, which is in Spanish, but um, that's the, that's it. That's all the Spanish that she's getting are, you know, the, the couple of Zoom sessions that she has with her teacher. Um, and then when she has questions about her homework or if she needs help completing it, um, I can't help her. I insisted that her e-learning center get someone who spoke Spanish to help 
you know, the students that needed Spanish help. Um, and so there's supposed to be somebody there on a regular basis to help them with their homework after classes are, are done. I'm not sure, you know, how much help they're getting or how much they're speaking to her in Spanish. Um, but um, I'm, you know, I'm hoping it, it, uh, it gets better maybe in this, like at, as the students are going back, like especially in her grade, because she's only in second grade, she'll be going back four days a week um, and they, she can get back into the immersion part. But yeah, this, the immersion portion of her schooling sort of isn't happening during the pandemic. <laughs> so Yeah, that's really hard when it has a specific sequence mm -hmm. that you're supposed to follow and that gets interrupted. The pandemic has definitely impacted education um, and the bilingual program in that like Peyton still hasn't actually met her teacher in person yet. So it's, it's always a bit challenging to really kind of form a, a relationship when you've not had the advantage of ever having been together physically. You know, I think she has struggled to maintain engagement in a way that she hasn't in the past. Um, but I will say that overall, I'm just super, super pleased that the school system has finally been able to get a program started at middle school. This is the first year we've ever had enough students who've continued in the bilingual program that the school system was willing to dedicate teachers to it. Um, in the past, the class, the numbers have always been too small to justify um, a having a teacher and her classes are really small. Um, she has, I think, 13 in her class, but she is getting Spanish instruction in two core subjects. So her science and her social studies classes are both being taught in Spanish. And they, I, the teacher is reinforcing and using some English, um, but all, the content is um, primarily in Spanish. And then um, she also has a Spanish language class that is a special and that she has in rotation. And so that's huge for her to even have a single class every day in Spanish. I, it, obviously it's not as much as I would like it to be, but it's so much better than um, the alternative, which is that the program might not have continued at all. Well, um, with your son. Right. Right. And so I'm super pleased that she's getting to do it. I think as they transition back into hopefully in-person learning, that that will help her engagement. And, and I will say that this is a huge, it's a, it was a huge challenge for the teacher also because she was a very late hire. And so for the first two weeks of class, she still didn't have clearance from the school system to teach. And so we just haven't had a lot of time yet uh, for her to get to know the students, for the students to get to know her, um, for everyone to get used to the technology. But I'm hopeful that the implementation will continue to get better and better because I, I think that's what I would say about dual language as a whole is that like, it's a fantastic concept, but the implementation varies widely by school and any program is only as good as the, you know, the implementation structure and as the teachers themselves. And, you know, you're going to get a mix of both as you would in any educational setting um, over a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it's, it's a huge gift to be able to give your child the ability to speak and communicate in more than one language. 
So what would you say to parents who are thinking about doing what you guys did, sending their kids to a bilingual immersion program? What would be your advice? Any tips you have for them? Um, so I was um, successful in convincing several of her friends from preschool to go to SPEES um, because I had done so much homework on what, what it means in a child's brain when they're learning two languages at once. Um, because, you know, at that time, I mean, the, the immersion program at SPEES is relatively new. And so there's not like long history of research done on how effective this dual immersion program is at SPEES specifically. Um, and so it's sort of, you know, a leap of faith that you go there and that they're going to be that all of the things that I've read are going to that are supposed to happen are going to actually happen. Um, but what I was told was, you know, just give it a year or two to settle in and the students become, you know, more self-sufficient and used to doing things in Spanish. And that was definitely, that's definitely advice I would give others. Um, but also do some research on what, how, how you learn. I mean, my master's is in education psychology. So like, I'm fascinated by how we learn um, and how we can be, how we can learn more effectively and efficiently. And, um, you know, the, the parts of her brain that are working that wouldn't be working the same way if she was just learning one language. So um, I guess those are the some of some of the advice that I would that I would give folks. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the what something that might help and because I live because I live 100 feet from the school, um, most of the neighborhood that I live in, um, their kids go to speeds, obviously. Um, and there's a lot of folks who have, have students there who don't speak Spanish at home. Like, uh, you know, the majority of us are, are native um, English speakers. And so I think uh, any additional support, like community resources for, for parents of bilingual kids who are, you know, who the, where the parents are, are you know, monolingual or would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I know that at the beginning of, you know, over the summer and the beginning of fall, we were trying to figure out potting. Like, is there a, you know, a family that want, that would be willing to do some supplemental support for students, um, you know, via Zoom or socially distanced in the yard or, or something like that? Because I know that I can't give her any additional help after school. Um, and they're just, you know, just not any real resources out there. Um, but it would be, it would be really helpful so that the pressure of this language acquisition wasn't on parents who just aren't able to deliver it so for sure well that's it from us today thank you so much hannah and tamara for your time and for telling us about your experience we'll see you next time hasta luego questions for us or questions about the podcast make sure to go to home and our website at www.multilingualmamaspodcast.com and click on the link for questions make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram and stay tuned for another episode of multilingual mamas <laughs>